We are in John chapter 10, which follows on the heels of this blind man being healed by Jesus and the religious system of the day casting him out and Jesus ending that whole event in verse 41 of chapter 9 saying, Jesus said unto them, if you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say that we see, therefore your sin remaineth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by their name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that you might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So we enter into this 10th chapter, which takes us into this picture of Jesus as the shepherd and you and I as the sheep. John puts it to the page. It has survived through thousands of years and it speaks to us today as well. That we need a shepherd, that we need to be led. We, we look at this world around us, we don't know where, where it's going. Um, and yet we have a consolation in the middle of all this. Now look, to the Jewish people he's talking to, they understood culturally many of the things he was saying. But he's trying to bring them, when he talks about the door in verse 1, when he finally gets to verse 9, he says, I am the door. And then it's not the, just the door to a sheepfold, which they understood. It was the door then to eternal life. And he develops that. Look, to the Jew... A shepherd was not an unusual illustration. Abel, of Cain and Abel, was a shepherd. Abraham was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David 
was a shepherd. None of this picture is unfamiliar to them. So he tells us, verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd. And he brings us to that. Verse 11, he's going to say, I am the good shepherd. Here, he says, he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. They understood the picture he's giving to them. This part of the world, uh, the, sh the sheep fold was something, it could have two different aspects. Sometime it was a near a village. It was fairly large, had high walls around it. Uh, there was an opening to enter into it. There was no door, no gate. Often it was out in the pastures and there it was a pile of stones, sometimes five, six foot tall, and they would weave and tie thorns all around the, the top of that wall. We see sometimes today walls with broken glass in the top. Uh, and they would do that to keep out predators, wolves, thieves, and so forth. But it was the same thing. There was no door to it. Uh, G. Campbell Morgan talks about traveling in this part of the world and ended up t t uh, talking to Sir George Adam Smith, who had just been in the Middle East for a number of years. And he told him, this, this text came up, he said, I was in the field with the shepherds and looked. <clears throat> and he said, I walked in and there were two or three flocks <clears throat> that had gone in before me and there was no gate, there were no locks. I said to the shepherd, where's the door? And he said, the shepherd looked at me and said, I am the door. Because in that situation, the shepherd would lie down in that single opening. No sheep could get out with crossing over, unless crossing over his body. No wolf, no thief could get in without crossing over him. And the sheep were safe. So Jesus says, anybody who tries to climb into the sheepfold doing it some other way, he tells us here, is a thief and a robber. Th those are the only people who try to get in some way other than the door, than that opening. They're thieves and they're robbers. He says, but he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Certainly, Whoever there was at the door, he calls that person a porter. Sometimes they could be paid just to do that. Quite often it was one of the shepherds themselves. He says, when that person sees the shepherd they know, they open up, they let them in. Because they would come in then, they would call their sheep together. Verses 3 to 5 say this. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep, notice, by name, and he leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice 
of strangers. And he puts a very interesting and to them familiar picture in front of him. Look, most of us have never raised sheep. I'm assuming. A few of them may have goats. I don't know. Uh, you may have cats. They're not really sheep, but they're, they're, they can, if you have two cats, they're, di they're different. You see the difference. Some of you might have dogs. The dog grows up to be a dog. You get a cute little puppy. You don't, I don't know why people get them. They think that they're going to be people when they really grow up to be dogs. Uh, and they're all different personalities, too. Interesting. Uh, but they are dogs. Uh, most of you who have, have had children, you wish you could lock them up for the night in the fold somewhere, uh, but they all have different personalities. This is something that they're very familiar with. This is not a Western culture scene where the sheep are driven and they're sheep dogs and there's people around it driving this large flock, which is largely for food. I love lamb. Rack of lamb is probably one of my favorite things on earth to eat. If you love me, feed me sheep. That's what Jesus said. Oh, my sheep, that's right. Uh, but these sheep in this culture most often were for wool. So you would have a shepherd, and I've been over there 30 times, and, and you see the, the, the shepherds with their flock, and they lead them, they don't drive them, they don't go behind them, and they yell at them and call to them. Sometimes they throw stones at a straggler, but they follow their shepherd. At night, if they bring them to the fold, you'll have goats, sheep, two or three flocks all gathered in there at one place, and then the porter or whatever shepherd's on duty, he becomes the door, and he lays across that opening. Then it says, to him, the shepherd, of verse 2, when he comes for his flock, the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. We have his voice here in verse 3, in verse 4, in verse 5, in verse 27, in verse 16. Throughout this chapter, we're going to be told that his sheep, look, that's you and I, that we know his voice. And, and we'll look at that and what that means, but it's important that we know his voice. It says, his sheep hear his voice, and he calleth, verse 3, verse 4, his own sheep. I like that. I'm not just a sheep somewhere. I'm one of his own. I'm blood-bought. I'm one of his own sheep. It says, he calleth his own sheep by name, and then he leadeth them out. Verse 4 says, and when he putteth forth his own, the idea he gets them out of there. In chapter 9, it said of the blind guy, they cast him out of the synagogue. They cast him forth. They excommunicated him. Jesus here is saying the good shepherd, same word, putteth forth his sheep. He brings them out of the fold. Then he goes before them and leads them. The sheep follow because they know his voice. Look, it isn't really a compliment 
to be told that we're sheep. It is an assurance. It's a relief. But it isn't a compliment. Sheep are dumb. You're thinking of somebody other than yourself. Do not do that. <laughs> Sheep are dumb. They have no claws. They have no fangs. They have no quills. They got no speed. They're helpless. They need guidance. They need care. And that shepherd develops a relationship with them. You, you, you get a lamb in his first year, you kill it for meat. You have sheep that you keep for wool. There's years of relationship that develop. And that's the picture he's putting before us here as we look at this, that these sheep are led. He's not, the shepherd's never dependent on the IQ of the sheep. Isn't that a relief for us? He's never dependent on the IQ of the sheep. He leads them. And I would much rather be led by the shepherd than driven by a purpose, by the way. And they hear his voice. And they, they recognize his voice. He calls them by names. You know, I was in uh, Austria a number of years ago and uh, teaching at a Calvary conference there. And the mountains are there, you know, all the Austrian homes with flower boxes outside their windows. It always looks like a picture everywhere. But up on the hill behind this uh, schloss where we were, um, there was a shepherd we ran into. We were walking in the field talking to him. He had 10 or 12 sheep with him. And he looked like a Ricola advertisement. He had a hat with a feather. And, you know, he looked like he had the costume on or something. But that's who he was. And we started talking about the sheep. He said, yeah, he said, they're all different. Of course, he said it with a, an accent, but he said, they're all different. And he said, they all have names. They have different names and they have different natures. Isaiah says, we're all like sheep that have gone astray. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We all have different natures. He said, now see that one over there? And their names were like Liebchen, Gertrude, you know, Heidi, whatever. He, he said, that one over there, if I yell at her, she sulks all day. She puts her head down. She won't look at me. She won't cooperate. He said, that one over there, if I don't yell, that one don't listen. If I talk to that one, it wanders off. I yell, and it comes back again. He said, they're all different. I've, they all have names. They know my voice. And it was just amazing, you know, to, to, to hear that and hear him talk about it. Jesus is making reference to someone, the situation that the culture understood well. He says, they have a nature. I know their names. They know my voice. Isaiah would say, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by the, thy name. Thou art mine. He calls us by our name. You know, I, sometimes I send that to Joe. You know, let's get alone. If I'm doing something I shouldn't do, it's Joseph. It changes a little bit, you know. We know his voice 
and he leads us. Look, we know this, it applies. If you look in verse 16, Jesus says, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, the, the Jews, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, that's us here today, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So this is all application we have to make to our own lives as we look at this. And these sheep that he talks about here, that he leads, that he, they know his voice, he knows them by name, this is a relationship. And what he's doing is he's setting it in great contrast to the religious system that's merciless, because it has no conscience. And there are all kinds of systems around us today, and many religious systems. And you can get thrown out of there for talking about Jesus. You can get thrown out for saying that, oh, I don't know, all I know is I'm saved, you know, and because some, and now some of these big, you know, systems, they don't want to hear the exclusivity of Jesus Christ, that you're saying that's the only way. Our culture has enthroned tolerance, and tolerance reigns supreme in the minds of our culture. We're all supposed to tolerate each other. Of course, if you look at the violence on the news, a lot of people aren't buying it. You're supposed to tolerate this, you're supposed to tolerate that, you're supposed to tolerate this, you're supposed to tolerate that. If you don't, you're, you're you know, some kind of a radical, uh, you're some kind of fundamental maniac. But we've enthroned one door, one shepherd, one way. And I'm glad he didn't say, I am the corridor, or I am the long passageway, or I am the tunnel. He just said, I am the door. There's in and there's out. There's great simplicity, and it demands something. I am the door. There's just in and there's out. And again, over and over, he says, my sheep hear my voice. Now, they, they become familiar with this shepherd. You know, it's, it's interesting. Years ago, one of our guys went back to Ireland, where some originally, and I don't think he just went back. I think the family kicked him out because he was so crazy. They sent him back to Ireland and thought they'd know what to do with him there. And, and he was, you know, psychotic a little bit. And he said every day for seven years, he went out and sat on the wall by the flock and just watched the shepherd day, watched everything, just sat there every day. He said, one day on a cold day, after years, I put a hat on before I went out, I sat on the wall, and they all took off running because of the difference. He says, here, look, the, the, the shepherd, they don't know the voice of strangers. They won't listen. In fact, in verse 5, it says, and the, the, a stranger will they not that's the double negative in the, in the Greek. They will not, not, oi may. There's no way. The idea is that it's going to happen. They will not follow a stranger. They will flee. For they know not the voice of strangers. So this picture. So we don't know the voice of strangers. We know his voice. How do we know his voice? You know, there, there are some ways. Primarily, it's always the word of God. Primarily, it's the Word of God. Don't let people tell you, well, the Lord told me you're supposed to do this. The Lord told me you're supposed to. You know, we got enough prophets around. No. First of all, what does the Word of God say? 
And don't listen to anyone who tells you that the Bible contains the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God. From start to finish, the Bible is inerrant. It is inspired. The Bible is the Word of God, and it speaks. So the primary way we hear his voice certainly is the Word of God. Secondly, it might be conviction of the Holy Spirit. And understand, the Holy Spirit will never contradict the book he inspired. So normally, if, if we're, we read something in the Scripture and we're not falling in line, we get conviction about that. And that's because he loves us. Ephesians, Paul says, anything that doth make manifest is light. That he shines that light into our lives. It doesn't cast us off. You know, it takes me a while sometimes to hear his voice. If the Lord wants to speak to me in September, he has to start in June. It takes me three or four months to, to warm up. You know, it starts, and you, you get an impression. Is that you, Lord? Just, you know, and then someone, will you turn the radio on? They'll say it on the radio. A plane flies by with a banner that says the same thing. You know, just after several months of that, I finally go, duh, that must be you, Lord, right? You know, so he, he's got to get a long head start with me. I don't know about you. He doesn't have to do that with his word. I'm in it every day. I love it. He speaks to me. He rises off the page. But sometimes through a conviction, he leads and sends me in a direction. I would say another way that should be important to us is if we have his leading, there should be peace to that. Paul wrote in Colossians, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which you are called in one body and be thankful. James says wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable easily entreated. So I would say to you, you know, the, the Bible is not going to say move to Dallas. Not for the reason you're thinking. I, I know. There are no cowboys in the Bible, but there are eagles. But, the, you know, the Bible's not going to say to you move to Dallas or move to Arkansas. But God may prompt you to do that. But do not do that if you don't have peace. Don't do it until you have peace. There's his timing. There's his leading. I would say sometimes there's a supernatural where a friend or somebody might say, you know, I think the Lord gave me this verse for you. But whatever supernatural emphasis there could possibly be will always be in cooperation with the first three, the word of God, the spirit of God, and the peace of God. And if it's out of step with any of those... It's not from him. So wonderfully, to him the porter, the gatekeeper, openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. He calleth his own sheep by name. They separate from the other flocks that are there. I've seen it. And then he leads them. They follow him. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow. No way. It's not going to happen. But they'll flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. 
verse 6. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Now, this parable, uh, that's a bad translation. There are no parables in John's gospel. There are parables in Matthew, parables in the other gospels. No parables in John, parabolo. There's none of those. This is a different word, translated parable. It kind of does what a parable does. Para alongside balo to cast. It's to take something we understand about sowing seed and cast it alongside of a biblical truth. That's parable of the sower. This is a different word. It speaks simply of a picture because the, the sheep and the shepherd, something they understood is different than a parable. It's straightforward. And it's amazing that they're not understanding. So in verses 7 to 10, he gives the explanation of what he's trying to tell them. Verse 7, Jesus said unto them again, Verily, verily, he said, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Now they would understand what he's getting at here. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and he shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Again, in this tolerant world, you have tolerant of all kinds of insanity, People are going to say to you, what do I mean that I might have life? I have life. You think I'm dead? I wouldn't be here if I didn't have life. No, no. It doesn't say he would be alive. It said he would have life, spiritual life, eternal life. There's a difference, clearly. And Jesus says the only way that can happen is entering in the door. And this tolerant world is going to tell you, you're intolerant. This is intolerant. Of course it's intolerant. It is immovable. It is steadfast. You can bet your life and your eternity on it. It is intolerant of every lie and every deceit. Jesus said, I am the door. He didn't say, pick a door. Lots of doors. Price is right. Pick a door. You want this door? You want that door? He didn't say, he said, I am the good shepherd. He didn't say there's lots of shepherds out there. You might like being with me, but there's other shepherds if you want to try one. There's complete intolerance. He's, in, he's not tolerant towards the religious system that did this blind man no good and threw him out because this blind man was not being tolerant of their system, but he was saying, no, Jesus Jesus, a man named Jesus, he's a prophet. He did this. He opened my eyes. And I think of how many of us, you know, my dad was Catholic, my mom was a Lutheran. I got saved. They didn't know what to do with me. They thought I lost, lost my mind. I didn't even fit into any of their systems. Then they started to get aggravated. Wait, that stupid Jesus smile off your face. And stop singing those songs around here. You know, just, you know, but I'm not being intolerant. I love my mom and dad. 
I wanted them to know the truth. I wanted them to get saved. But I knew the truth was that narrow. It was a door that leads to eternal life. Few there be that find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many there be that go on. And Jesus is intolerant when he says this here. In a wonderful, beautiful way that a child could take hold of this truth and come into the kingdom. He puts it before them. And he knows what systems are like. Look, he says this in Jeremiah. He says, Woe be unto the shepherds that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the shepherds that feed my people, you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doing, says the Lord. I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries whither I have driven them, and I will bring them again to their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase and I will set up shepherds over them, which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall there be any lacking, says the Lord. In Ezekiel, he says there, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be unto the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? And, and many places in the Old Testament. So yeah, he is intolerant. He's pronouncing woes on them. And it isn't enough for there to be a system. This is a relationship. It's not like the big flocks that are driven by sheepdogs. This is a relationship. He calls us by name. We hear his voice. We respond. It's individual. It's for each of us in a remarkable way. And he says in verse 9, I am the door. If any man, that includes all y'all. That's what it says in the Greek, all y'all. <laughs> any man. Notice there's no exclusion here. He says, I am the door. If any man enter in, he's the entrance, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Saved there is a future passive tense. It's going to happen and you ain't going to have nothing to do with it. All you need to do is come through the door and you will be saved. The first time in the New Testament that word saved is used is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, where Gabriel is talking to Joseph, and you say, you shall call his name Jesus, because he shall save his people from their sins. This is what Jesus is getting to. This is what the religious system couldn't, couldn't produce. He's calling us to a relationship where he speaks to us, where he knows our name, we know his voice, where there's freedom. And he says, the way into that is through me. I am the door. And if any man, it doesn't matter, enters in by me, he's going to be saved. And the word means saved from sin. It means saved from a doctor, relieve somebody from illness. 
People are rescued off a sinking ship as the idea of rescue. Some of us need to be rescued as Christians. Some of us have spiritual illnesses we need therapy for. It says if a brother's overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual restore. That's the word for setting a broken bone. And you know that takes six weeks. Sometimes we want to restore someone in one conversation. But he is at the center of that, saving us, rescuing us, restoring us, healing us. The mistake we make is, all right, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get in there. I'm listening for your voice. I read your word for 20 minutes every morning. But you know I'm struggling. You know I have this going on. You know I fall short. You know I make mistakes. But I'm trying. I'm better than that guy over there. I see him sitting there every week. I know what he does. Lord, if you want to know, just ask me. I'll tell you. Right? If you don't get the I out of the equation, you will never realize it. I am the door, not your performance. If any man enters by me, not by me and what you contribute, because then you're going to be right back in chapter 9 as part of the religious system under the law. Yes, there should be fruit in our lives. He's going to talk to us about in John 15. But that happens from abiding in the vine. If any man, he says, enter in by me, he'll be saved. Passive future. you got nothing to do with it. You do that through Jesus. You come to him, he does the saving. Remarkable picture. And then he'll go in and out and find pasture. Throughout the Old Testament, that is a signature of blessing, be able to go in and out. The thief, on the other hand, cometh not except for this reason, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. There's an enemy that he talks about here. There was to a natural flock of sheep. There is to you and I, his flock. But I am come that you might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The life here is overflowing, is the idea. In, not, it's not containable. That would be presently and then eternally. You know, he's given us life. We have life. Doesn't it say that we don't go through sickness, that we don't get cancer? Doesn't it say that we don't go through a divorce? Doesn't it say there are terrible things with illness that happen in our lives? It says in the middle of all that, we have life. That all of the unbelievers in this world that are going through the same terrible circumstances do not have. And in that circumstance, he calls us by name. He leads us. We know his voice. Sometimes, it's, you know, some of the things Kath and I have been through, I thought, I can't believe how an unbeliever goes through this. When someone you love dies, you think, what does an unbeliever do with this? This seems so final. I've been with a number of people, and they've taken their last breath. And you can tell. They, there's, it's a vacancy. The color changes. And you think, without Jesus, what would people do with this? What hope would they find? Now, he's not just telling us, look, 
just follow me. Don't use your brains. That's not, this is, he's, we're, we're not mindless. He's given us a mind. He's saying, follow me. Because I've been there. It says he will lead them out. He has walked in our skin. And he has walked in our hooves. Isaiah tells us this. It says, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He is the ultimate lamb. He has walked in our skin, in our hooves, in our infancy, he's been there. 12 years old when he was there at Temple, he's been there. Weary, he's been there. If you're thirsty or hungry, he's been there. If you're betrayed, he's been there. If you're facing death, he's been there. If you enter into death, he's been there. Let him lead, follow him. Resurrection. He's been there. And he tells us, my sheep know my voice. You know, he just said to Matthew, follow me. Matthew dropped his business. He dropped everything and followed him. He knew. He heard. Mary Magdalene, we're going to see her at the tomb on resurrection morning. She's crying. She thinks Jesus is the gardener. And he says, Mary. And she throws her arms around him, Rabboni, because she knew his voice. Listen, Lazarus, next chapter, dead four days. Jesus says, Lazarus, somewhere outside of our domain, Lazarus said, yeah. And Jesus said, come forth. And he came forth. My sheep hear my voice. And one day soon, our shepherd is going to descend with a shout, the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God. And he's going to call us, and we're going to rise, because we know his voice. Amen? He's coming for us. Wonderfully, you know, David could say, the Lord is my shepherd. Not a thousand other things out there that people chase, that promise. The whole world is violent, it's immoral, it's frustrated, it's falling apart. Because everybody's trying to satisfy something deep within themselves, not knowing what they were really made for. We're followers in a wonderful way. And David could say, the Lord is my shepherd. Because of that, literally, I will lack no good thing. I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. The Lord said, I'll lead them in and I'll lead them out. Takes me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Amen. That's our shepherd. Let's stand together. We'll sing a last song. 
If this is not the Jesus that you know, or the Jesus you think you know, and in your heart you're thinking, I'm ready to follow him, if that's who he is, I'm a sinner, but if he'll receive me, if, I, if he could be the doorway to forgiveness and eternal life, I'm ready. If that's you, I encourage you to get up here after the service. We'd love to pray with you, give you a Bible, some literature to read. But let's bow our hearts, let's pray, and then all of us, let's lift our voices to the Lord. Let this be a corporate prayer that we lift before him. And Lord, I know you've overheard, Lord. You know us, Lord, in our struggles. You know us in our doubts, Lord. You, you hear our hearts as we study through this passage saying, please, Lord, let me take these things and apply them to my own life. I fall so short, even, Lord, grasping sometimes the simplest things. And Lord, so often I'm in a situation and it just seems like you're not there and I feel forsaken and you're telling me that it is vastly different than that. So, Lord, I pray for myself, for all of us, make these things more real than they have ever been. Make us better followers, Lord Jesus. And as this world falls apart around us, let us find ourselves attached to the one that changes not. We thank you for that. We believe we're praying according to your will, Lord. We pray in your name. Amen.